It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, and we're all sevens on the thermometer, too. 71.7 degrees there. Oh, man, it's going to be another hot day. Get it done this morning. Get it done before it gets hot this afternoon, 1 or 2.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon when I've been out this past week. It's been for a, just a quick little tour of the landscape before I went back inside because I thought, man, I do not want to dig anything. I did a little watering this past week, yeah, but even then I thought, man, if I could just turn this nozzle up, I would have a little rainfall to sit underneath while I water my plants. My number is 404-872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you do things this morning and stay cool while you're doing it. Bill is out in uh, Wisconsin. What are we talking about here? Bill, hey, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Are you in Wisconsin, Bill? Uh, yeah, I'm from Williamson, Georgia, but I'm visiting relatives in Potosi, Wisconsin. And you and called all the way back home to talk to me. It's in the 50s, and it's going up to the highs, 81 today, and everybody around here thinks 81 is terribly high. <laughs> so everyone around here is praying for 81. Please, Lord, let it down to 81 degrees. How can I've I help, walking, Bill? I've been walking around here uh every time I've visited for the past three years, and there's a maple tree, I guess probably uh, maybe 20 feet tall, so yeah. it's fairly young, and there's a branch on it that is variegated. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is it possible to take a part of a twig off of that tree and root a maple tree that would be variegated? You actually are asking two questions. First question: Can is it possible to root the uh, root the yes. twig off the maple? The second question is: Can I do it? Is it possible, yeah, and can somebody do it? Questions in without you noticing. Yeah, um, it is possible. Yeah, Bill, you can root twig cuttings of maples. On the other hand, for homeowners to get the right environment to get it to root is almost impossible unless you have a really temperature controlled for both the soil and the air temperature above the ceiling, humidity controls that make sure the ceiling never suffers for lack of water. It is just about impossible for a homeowner to do it themselves. Yeah, in the lab, in a a propagation nursery, they can propagate them all they want. But for you, it's going to be tough, I think, Bill. The leaves are beautiful, but... um Okay. Let me suggest something else. Are you? Yeah. Gonna, how long are you going to be up there in Wisconsin, Bill? Uh, we're leaving Monday. <sighs> well, <laughs> I was going to give you something that takes about five months to do. So no, no, that no, no, no. here's something to try. Be, are you going to go back there anytime in the next year? Maybe we'll, we'll come back in February. You know, this is worth a try. There's a process of propagation for woody plants called air layering. You take a twig, it's about as big as a pencil, you scrape it a little bit, put some rooting hormone on it, and this is why it's still attached to the mother tree. You do not cut it off initially, but you wound it, put some rooting hormone on it, wrap that in very, very damp sphagnum moss, and then wrap that around with saran wrap to keep it moist for several months. Some woody plants will respond better to air layering, as I've just described, than they do to sticking in in a medium and getting the cutting to root. So if you have a way to do air layering there and 
It's uh, boy, it's late. It's July now, and you get your first frost somewhere in uh, early September, mid September up there. That's not quite enough time to do air layering. You really need to start sometime in Atlanta anyway, back in late April. But if you want to consider that, if something can you know, be worked out with a neighbor or whoever you're staying with up there, if they can do the air layering for you, maybe next year, because you don't have a lot of time this year, maybe that would work. Maybe that would work. But Okay. You're taking it. It's a private house, and the house is for sale. So, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't mind taking cutting a little twig off to try to root it, but right. to, to layer. Uh, yeah, I just don't think Bill we're okay. going to be able to to propagate it. Sad to say, but take a picture of the of the limb, show people what it looks like. Maybe one day somebody will look at it and say, "Man, I got a nursery guy who lives next door to me. I'll get him to propagate it, and we'll call it Bill's Maple." That's what we'll do. Make a million dollars. Yeah, make okay. a million dollars, Bill. <laughs> see you all. All right. Thank you, Bill. We'll see you soon. Twelve minutes past the hour. Jan is out in Snellville and joins us on the Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jan. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty well. What can I do for you? Um, we have some lantana plants, several of them. And, of course, we love lantana. And it's growing in a kind of an enclosed little um, area, a little garden yeah. area. And they're, they're really spread out. They've really spread out. And my husband said, boy, I'd like to trim them back a little so that they look a little neater in there. Okay. Is that going to hurt lantana? I mean, is that the end? Is Will they not do anything then? Or will nah. it just look kind of... Like it's been cut back and never... It'll recover. It'll recover. Good news. Your husband can go cut it back a little bit. Okay. And by a little bit, I mean somewhere between 25 and 30, 40 maybe percent of the foliage could be removed without much damage at all to the to the lantana. And yeah, it'll sprout. It's got a lot of time this summer to, to uh, sprout back new leaves. It won't look cut back after, gosh, a couple of weeks maybe even. Right. Uh, fertilizer would be nice, Jan. That's one of the things that I think we don't think about too much on lantanas, and particularly the, the perennial lantanas like Miss Huff. And they're cut back every year, sometimes in the wintertime, and the foliage removed. But they need to have some fertilizer to help make new leaves as they recover from the initial pruning. Now, you, you said a name, Miss Huff, because yeah. all of our lantanas, they die back. I mean, there is a perennial lantana. Miss Huff is one you can buy from nurseries, and Miss Huff will live forever and ever in your landscape unless it gets down to zero degrees. Yeah, and wow, because our lantana that we, I, we, I've never paid attention if, if it's called Miss Huff, so it yeah. probably isn't because they always die. Yeah, back. if it dies back, it's one of the other less winter tolerant than Miss Huff. Miss Huff, by the way, is a real person. She lived not far from, well, really not far from you, Jan, uh, in Lexington, Georgia, near Lexington, Georgia, and her lantana kept coming back year after year, and she shared it with the Goodness Grows Nursery that was down the road from her, and they said, wow, year after year after year it comes back. What are we going to name it? Let's call it from Miss Huff, who told us about it. So that's what you got. But look for Miss Huff if you want one that comes back every year, very attractive orange, pink, yellow flowers. They'll be interspersed throughout the plants. Great plant. My mother has one next to her office. It's five feet high and eight feet wide right now. You know, and I do see them in different places that are really big, and I'm thinking, well, there's no way that's a plant that it that's got to be a perennial yeah. lantana because it's yeah. so huge. Yeah. It's yeah. never come back. Exactly. So. That's what you're seeing very likely is Miss Huff. Great. Thank you so much, Walter. You bet, Jan. Thanks right. for calling. Bye-bye. 714. What does that give turn for? Carrie's out in Marietta. Let's talk to Carrie for a minute. Hey, Carrie. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How can I help, Carrie? Well, I've got a dogwood, and it's mature. It's about 10 years old, and, and she was gorgeous this spring. You know, beautiful uh, flowers. Yeah. She's about five or six feet away from a star magnolia, and I've got spirea that are close by. 
And all of a sudden, the leaves all turn brown, every single one of them. And you can't think of anything you did that could be connected to that? I do nothing. I don't use, you know, any Roundup or anything around the trees. Um, I put cow manure around it um, on a drip line, and I, I... I don't know what could have happened. It falls, it in, it falls in the category. Falls in the category of up and died disease. Oh man! Okay. <laughs> As we oh. say in the South, up and died. He just up, up and died. died. All right. Um, well, I, how old did you say the, the dogwood is, Carrie? Eight to ten years old. And that's still pretty young in a dogwood's life. A lot of dogwoods, it seems, start to decline when they're in the twenty-five to thirty-five year old range. And the ones that are 8 to 10, generally speaking, look fine. Don't have any bad things that happen to kill them, but they sort of decline in the next 15, perhaps, years. I don't have a clue. You haven't put, you know, weed killer on the root system. You haven't you know, done anything to me that sounds like you did bad. You know, there's always a pike nursery not far from you. They'd be happy to sell you a dog with this fall to plant in its place. So I guess that's what I would do. All righty. Well, I appreciate your help. I wish I had a better diagnosis or better news for you, Carrie, but if it doesn't have any leaves right now, it is dead. It has got that up and died disease. Up and died. (laughs) I'll remember that. Thanks so much, Walter. You bet. Thanks for calling. (laughs) There are... Let me see. There's Actually, I want to tell you about the Presser Dogwood, Presser Hall in Agnes Scott campus. Um, they I have seen this. This is so weird that I have seen the actual two pictures corresponding to each other. Back in the early 1900s, there was a picture made of the ladies who attended, the students who attended Agnes Scott College at the time, standing and sitting on a little horizontal branch of a dogwood right beside Presser Hall. And fast forward to 2005 or six, and some Somebody saw the original picture, went to check out the spot. Lo and behold, the dogwood is still there. Same dogwood you can tell by the little crook in the in the trunk that was shown in the in the much earlier picture. And so that Presser Hall dogwood was close to a hundred years old. Sadly, in the intervening you know couple of three years, it started declining, and that was the end of it. It got up and died disease too. But nonetheless, it is possible for a dogwood to live for a long time, but it's just not probable. Usually, 25, 35 years, that's when the dogwood sort of has accumulated enough drought stress and lawnmowers bumping into it and weed whackers and chemicals being put around the root system, they just decline and die. But if you have one that lasts more than 100 years, please let me know. I would like to have a picture of it. It's 718. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, pretty much the same as yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Going to have highs in the low 90s. And overnight, the highs go up into the upper 60s, maybe the low 70s during the evening. Not much chance of rain other than pop-up showers. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Lynn is out in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Lynn, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, I have two large peonies. Now, I've never I've never cut them back, and yeah. they're just laying all over the ground. Can I trim these back? Why are they laying over the ground? Well, peonies they've bloomed, and, and consequently, they've just, you know, 
they're just there. They're just flopping down. They're just flopping down. Um, most people, myself included, would get what's called a peony ring, which is I got a them. wire and you put around them that should hold them up off the ground. It doesn't do them any good for the leaves to be close to the soil, but I don't think I would cut it down. I'd make the peony ring or some kind of stakes or something like that, hold the leaves up off the ground. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Like I said, I took them off after they finished blooming so I can go back and put them back on again. Lynn, I'm about to tell you something that yes. will just make your life better. Okay. Have you tried tree peonies rather than the herbaceous peonies that you're growing right now? Have no, you? I haven't, but I like these where they are, and they're beautiful, so I'm going to keep think, them. Think about someday when you have a little money in your pocket, because tree peonies are not the cheapest peony you'll ever see in the nursery, mm -hmm. but think about buying a tree peony. And some nurseries have them. Pike occasionally has them. They have mm -hmm. one called... Um, Bartzella. <laughs> Bartzella is a great name for a peony. Right. But it is one that I planted probably three years ago. And every year my neighbors ask me, what is that? Peony is so beautiful. It's yellow. It's gorgeous. And uh, if you have room in the landscape and room in the wallet for it, a tree peony like Bartzella from Pike, you can order peonies online from Peony um, Farm in mm -hmm. North Carolina, Virginia, and uh, try it because they sure are distinctive and they are a different look in the landscape other than the herbaceous peonies that you have now. So oh. just thinking, just telling you that. They're pretty. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling, Lynn. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. You could take Lynn's place by calling 404-872-0750. There are a lot of peonies that have done really, really well in the Northeast, but in the South, sometimes peonies get a little hot during the summertime. And so if you found one that does great, that's always okay to propagate them, you take a little side cutting off the side of the clump during the early fall and transplant it to a new place. And many times you can get these peonies to do very well that have you know, a lot of people say that you can't grow peonies very well in the South. If you find the right one, you can grow peonies in the South pretty easily. And one that everybody seems to have success with is called Festiva Maxima. Pike carries it. Festiva Maxima peony grows for everybody. It's white with little pink flecks through the flower. Real pretty plant. And if you want to try those uh, tree peonies or the ones that are halfway between herbaceous and tree peonies, you ought to try them because, like I say, they are really, really pretty. Our number again, 404-872-0750. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 71 degrees on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, helping you be more successful and doing it before it gets hot this afternoon. We go to the phones real quickly. Jill is in Stockbridge, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jill. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. How can I help? Uh, we want to know how soon we can cut back some uh, blueberry bushes. They have gotten, some of them have gotten extremely tall and kind of over our head, but mm. we wanted to cut them back, but we didn't want to do it too soon, so we, you know, would lose them. I think in the fall... Generally speaking, I don't say prune after August sometime, but I think right now would be fine, Jill. 
You think I it think, would yeah, be good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh. think it's going to do anything. What I would do, do your pruning, and um, generally speaking, the best kind of pruning on a blueberry is to look for the oldest st- oldest stalks, oldest canes coming out of the ground. They'll be sort of brown and barky and sort of peeling bark off of them. And the oldest ones are the ones that don't make many blueberries. So you cut those out, and the new canes that take their place over the next year or so, that's where all the blueberry flowers and then fruit come from. Well, let me tell you, you know, one of the blueberry bushes has the shoots are shooting out of the top. I mean, this thing is over six foot tall. It's like... They just new shoots are coming from the top of it. Yeah, that's just bird food, right? That's where all the birds go eat the blueberries off of it. You need to keep my thing down where you can reach all parts of the shrub and uh, maybe have a little bit of competitiveness with the birds that want the blueberries as well. So I think now you have time to do it. Now I wouldn't wait much longer, though. Okay, good. All right, very good. Thank you so much. You bet, Jill. Thanks for calling. All right, bye-bye. By the way, this is fig ripening time. My neighbor Harriet and Marvin, who have had figs in their side of the landscape, it's beside my landscape, they've had those figs there for 20, easily 25 maybe years. And this year, it's a great fig harvest. I was out yesterday, had my little red plastic bucket that I hitched to my belt, and I can pick with both hands then. So I had a, oh, easily two or three quarts, I guess, of figs in 15 minutes. And I took them inside. I have a dehydrator. And I sliced them apart in halves, put them in the dehydrator, put them in the sunroom. And they, this morning, when I came into the kitchen in the sunroom area, you could smell those figs. They smell so good. So if you have a fig bush, it is about time to look for ripe figs on them. And if you want to do something with them to store them for the wintertime, you can get a dehydrator or you can dehydrate them in the oven. And sometimes you can maybe be successful even dehydrating them outside. Figs, they're lots of fun and easy to grow in Georgia. Mike is in Locust Grove and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mike, good morning. Morning, sir. How can I you, Joe, very much. Thank you. What can I do for you? Just so I have a black-eyed Susan vine. Bought it last year. Planted it in a a big pot about waist high. Mm-hmm. It stayed covered in blooms all summer. I dug it up, saved it in my greenhouse over the winter. This year, I planted it in the ground about fifteen feet from where the pot was. Yeah, and it, it may have ten blooms on it. Arr, that's disappointing. Yes. My guess, Mike, is that in the ground it has a little more trouble establishing itself, and until a vine of any kind of vine, wisteria, kudzu, or black-eyed Susan vine. Any vine that's not feeling pretty comfortable about how much moisture its roots can deliver and how much uh, nutrients they can take up to the top of the vine, if they're not comfortable, they won't bloom. They won't send the hormones that say make a bud, make a flower. So my guess is, is that in the ground, the black-eyed Susan vine just says, you know, I'm not quite ready to bloom here. So that's, I think, what the situation is. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Next year, I'll put it back in the pot. I'll tell you something that's interesting, Mike. I went to, as you know, I take garden trips down to Cuba. And the first year I went down there, there was this horribly invasive vine. It was on all the shrubs and trees. It was almost like kudzu. It was that invasive in Cuba. And I asked somebody what it was. They said, oh, that's black-eyed Susan vine, Thunbergia. <laughs> and so it can be. It can grow fast as long as it's not frozen back in the wintertime. It really can be an invasive plant. But you don't have to worry about that at Locust Grove. But it is... Oddly enough, a bad plant in the tropics. Oh, all right, sir. All right, Thank sir. You. Thank you a lot. You bet. Thanks for calling, Mike. It's 739. Whose turn does it come next? Lisa is in Dawsonville and joins us. Lisa, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty well. How can I do? What can I do for you? Well, I'm actually calling about a tree in Maryland. I planted a red bud um, in 2001 or so, yeah, yeah. and uh, it seems to have 
got in the up and died. No. Oh. <laughs> my father-in-law told me that that's the average lifespan of a red bud. Really? And really? I was really curious as to if that was true. I can't figure out any reason that it would not have bloomed at, as it normally did last year and the year before. And it is just a stick. Yeah. Obviously, I don't live in Maryland to say, oh, there's one around the street, one around the corner from me there. I think red bud is perfectly hardy, supposed to be perfectly hardy in Maryland. Maryland temperatures are a little bit lower, perhaps, in the wintertime than ours, but not that much. Right. So, I, yeah, 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 I think maybe it is an up and die disease situation. Um, it, it is a slightly wet location, yeah. but it's always done really well yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, red buds can tolerate a little moisture. And approximately 15 to 20 feet away is a beautiful Kusa dogwood. Mm-hmm. That blooms stunning, yeah. uh, you know, every season, and it blooms for a very long time. Um, and so I just couldn't figure it out, and mm. I don't want to plant another one if the same thing's going to happen. I don't think the same thing is going to happen. Again, not mm-hmm. being in Maryland specifically, I don't know if there are any particular situations or something that I should be aware of that would right. cause redbuds to fail. But if it was me, did you buy it up there or did you buy it down here? Where'd you get it? Oh, yeah, I bought it up there. Is there any chance the place that you bought it has some sort of guarantee oh, you could take it back? No. And no. I mean, but, you know, I guess they're easy enough to get every spring. Sure, I think so. Um, I was just curious if, if you would have known that. Up and died. Yeah. That's okay, what I well, think. Never, never knew about that before. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of that happen in my landscape. Others have said the same thing. Yeah, things sometimes just, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You bet, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Paul's in Conyers in Rockdale County, and he's on the air with us this morning. Hey, good morning, Paul. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing this morning? Hey, right. what's up? Good. I have a knockout rose that I transplanted probably around two weeks ago. Yeah. And I neglected to water it, and all the leaves are turning brown, but the stems are still green yeah. on the bush. So, you want to make it, or what do I need to do with that to make sure that it does make it, if possible? You know, my, my newly coined name for the up and died disease applies in situations when you can't figure out why a plant dies. Died in your case, Paul, you didn't get enough roots, and that knockout rose is uh, complaining mightily to you about not having the moisture it needs. It's probably not going to survive. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, I know you did all that work. You went out there. It was sweaty. It was hot. You dug it up. You moved to the new place. You prepared the soil really nicely over there. But man, oh man, Paul, who told you that it was a good idea to transplant a rose in the middle of the summertime? That was a it wrong. Was it, it was suffering in the spot that I had it in, okay. Suffering even more now. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's gone to rose heaven, I think. It's not there. Well, maybe the you know the harps are playing and the streets are paved with gold if red buds really do go to heaven, but, or knockout roses, I mean, go to heaven. But I, yeah, it's just uh, you didn't get enough roots, and now it's told you what's going. It's gone. It's bye-bye. Wait till the fall. Oh. Get another one, oh. Paul. Knockout roses are great plants. Get one in the fall, plant it in. It should be fine. All right. Thank you, Walter. You bet. Oh, Paul, by the way, one more thing you can do to help a little bit when you're transplanting or when you're planting, I guess, the new one in the fall, is to take your fingers and really sort of untangle the roots. Untangle the roots and spread them out in the hole that you're planting it in because roses and uh, most shrubs, as a matter of fact, most shrubs really do like their roots to be spread into the surrounding soil rather than just plopping that big root ball right down into the hole that you dug and not 
encouraging them somehow to get out to the surrounding soil. You really want them to get out, go see what's happening on the other side, two or three feet away, and uh, that makes things a lot easier to transplant or to plant, really, when you have a pot you get from a nursery. So make those roots, tear them apart a little bit, be rough with them, pull those roots apart, and thread them out in the hole. Thanks for calling, Paul. We got a Gene in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Gene, good morning. Um, I have a question. I have crepe myrtles in my backyard, and they're blooming. They're just beautiful. I noticed in the spring that I had these little white, white, looked like, I thought they were worms. They were about a half inch long, and they were all up and down the trunk of the tree. So I went out there, and I started looking at them, and I thought, well, I don't know what that is. So I touched it, and it was powdery, all up and down. Now, the trees that don't have that, the bark has just fallen off of the trees. Hmm. But the tree's blooming, it's green, it's absolutely beautiful, but I still have one more that has that on the trunk, right. from the ground up to the top. That has the little toothpick things coming out, you yes, mean? Yes, they're yeah. white, and yeah. it's just covered. It looked like, I thought it was worms, but it's not. <laughs> it's little powdery. Nah. I, to, I touched it. I got up the nerve to touch it. Yeah, it just it, crumbled it's away. So, I mean, there are lots of listeners out there right now raising their hands in the classroom saying, I know what it is, I know what I it is. I have never had that, and these trees are 20 years old. It's Asian ambrosia beetles, exactly. That's what you have, Gene. What? And the Asian ambrosia beetle, most of the time, I don't have good news for you, most of the time, every part of the plant beyond the point where you see the toothpicks in the trunk, beyond that point higher, it's going to die. It'll wilt, and then it'll finally die. Well, there's no holes in it. Well, the... the just outside. It's just outside. When it comes out, when that toothpick of, of sawdust comes out of the trunk, there's a hole there, a little bitty hole, but it's coming out of that hole. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, right, Gene. And there, I talked to a lady earlier in the week, or I got an email, I should say, from a lady earlier in the week who had a fig bush, and her fig bush was big, 10 feet high and 10 feet wide, she said. And she said, but I have these little sawdust-like worms coming out of the trunk, and the ends of the branches are wilting right now. What can I do about it? Sadly to say, once you see the toothpicks coming out, they are deeply inside the trunk or the limb or the tissue of the plant and cannot be controlled with insecticides. Many times the best advice I have is just to wait and see what dies, cut that away, and pray that the Asian ambrosia beetle population does not explode in your in your landscape because there's not about a lot of insecticides that really help. Do you ever see them. this? Do what? Say again. Insect. Do you see it? No. If you want to, you can make a trap, but that's probably nothing you want to attempt right now, Gene. If you wanted to see one for some reason, if you go on my website. Um, my friend Lyle Collins has a great camera, and he sent me a picture. He saw that I had written something about Asian ambrosia beetle, and so Lyle Collins sent me a fabulous picture of the beetle inside the trunk he'd, where he'd cut it to show what the damage and, and, and was inside. The, this goes all the way up to the top. Is the beetle inside going up to the top? There are actually numerous beetles. Every time you see one hole, one toothpick, that is where one beetle has bored her own hole into but the you trunk. you know, I haven't seen any holes. The holes are there. If you got the toothpicks, they had to come out of somewhere, and they came out of a little hole in the bark. But wait, I have more. I have good news for you now, Gene. You know the crepe myrtles where the bark is falling off? Mm -hmm. That's a natural thing. Crepe myrtles, particularly the Indian name crepe myrtles like uh, Natchez and Tuscarora and Aurora, and all those Native American named crepe myrtles, generally have sloughing bark or exfoliating bark, I think is the right word for it, and they peel off right about now, and that is perfectly normal, perfectly the way it's supposed to grow. So if I just left these crepe myrtles alone, they're blooming, they're absolutely beautiful. I got about 15. 
they'll die? It's possible. It's probable. But, Gene, I'm not going to say you need to prune them out now. If they're blooming right now, there's nothing you can do about the beetle in the trunk. Enjoy the flowers. Remember the flowers of 2015. And if during next spring you see, man, they don't have any leaves on them up on my crepe myrtles, then you have to cut that part out. But enjoy the plant now. Okay. All right. Well, i just never seen anything like it, and it was weird looking. Yeah, like I say, if you want to see more of it, a lot of people with Asian ambrosia beetle problems, go to my website, type, type in ambrosia. Just one word will take you to all the pages of ambrosia beetle on figs, on crepe myrtles, on uh, Rose of Sharon, uh, I think some cherries. Uh, there's all sorts of plants that are susceptible to it. You don't want it. I'll tell you that right now. But you can see pictures of it if you want to see what the damage looks like. It's 748, 748 and one half at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, Kirk Mellish is sort of playing the broken record this weekend. It's going to be in the mid to low 90s this afternoon. Not much chance of rain. And overnight in the high 60s and low 70s, a really, really warm night. And Kirk is doing it. It's going to be yesterday. It was today. It's going to be tomorrow. That's the forecast. Your full weekend forecast comes up in <clears throat> excuse me, 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's give away the weekend prize pack. Actually, we have... Ashley Frasca, who plays a vital role because she thinks of a number between two and seven. You got to do that to determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Air Supply in concert August 22nd at Delta Classic Chastain Park Amphitheater, produced by ASO Presents, and also a pair of tickets to see Boz Skaggs in concert October 21st at Atlanta Symphony Hall, again, produced by ASO Presents. Ashley Frasca, who gets to go to some music concerts? Lucky caller number three. Caller number three to our contest line, 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750 is going to have a great time. Phyllis in High Shoals joins us. Hey, Phyllis, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have uh, black spots all over the leaves of a pink hydrangea, mm. and when I remove them and the new ones come in, they get the black spots. You may join the club, because I have them too. Uh, and a lot of people who have hydrangeas during this part of the summer from oh, the mid part of July on the way to the, to the fall, I guess, till the leaves fall off, they get a disease called septoria leaf spot. I wish I had a better, easily spelled name for it, but that's what it's called, septoria leaf spot. It's a black to blackish purple, maybe, spot on the leaves, and all of them seem to get it. Sometimes they fall off the plant. Sometimes the leaves stay on the plant. It makes them look ugly, ugly, ugly. Yes. And once it's on the leaf, there's not a heck of a lot you can do about it, Phyllis. Um, if you want to put a note in your calendar that says next year, sometime in mid to late June, spray my hydrangeas with one of the garden fungicides. There are two or three infused at Pike Cells. Um, there's two or three more you can find at garden centers, but infused works really well. And spray it in late June before the spots have a chance to develop in July. But that's next year. For this year, they're going to be ugly. Oh, so there's nothing I can do with it? No. 
<laughs> I'll give you one uh, word answer, fellas. I hate to say it. But, yeah. Okay. yeah, and you ask everybody who has hydrangeas at this time of year, do you have any of that leaf spot on your hydrangeas? And every one of them will say, yeah, fellas, we got a lot of it. What do we do? And you say, spray with a fungicide in June next year. Oh, It'll be clean. goodness. Okay, thank you. Yeah, fellas, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. The other problem with uh, hydrangeas that people have noticed this year is I have a great, beautiful, fabulous hydrangea bush that lots of leaves on it, not a flower this year. I don't remember having any flowers last year, people say. Most of that, in fact, all of that, I think, is winter damage. The winters of 2013 to 14, 2014 to 15, were just cold enough to freeze the tip three or four buds off a hydrangea branch, and those are the buds that give you the flowers during the succeeding summer. So, you got a great looking hydrangea, enjoy the foliage. Hopefully, if we don't have severe weather this winter, hopefully your hydrangea will be blooming like crazy like they used to this coming summer, next year, 2016. But again, the damage was caused by the winter that just froze the flower buds off. It's 7.57 at News Talk WSB. More Lawn and Garden, right after news. Make angels hide right. 